0: It's the My Michelle Live Podcast.
1: Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live, News and Views. Here's Michelle.
0: Welcome to News and Views Thursday. Today we're asking the question if we are maybe in the end times, if. Oh, the world as we kind of know it is, it's feeling seemingly coming to an end. Is is that true? And as we delve into that question, we're going to look at some lessons from history. I love history. Love the stories of history. Never liked memorizing all of the dates, but the stories of history are fascinating. Can we see some signs from history of what is happening and may happen to us today. Interestingly enough, I think America is kind of like a naive teenager. We're just gleefully going around, we, you know, thinking that we're going to live forever. But is that the case? Well, we're going to delve into it with the author of The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home, and in the world. Joseph Johnston joins us, an expert in history, and the author of the book. Joseph, I'm so happy to have you with us. Happy holidays.
2: Well, thank you, Michelle. It's great to be here. Um, It's certainly a pleasure, and I look forward to having this discussion. Uh,
0: Yeah. We are here in a time in history where the world is looking a little bit different. Some of the things that we've experienced and some of the things that seem to loom in front of us. But we forget that history has a way of repeating itself.
2: Well, that's true. Uh, I would say, Michelle, that we're probably not in the end times yet, but w- certainly we, there are some weaknesses in our, in our civilization. Uh, it is true that no nation has survived forever. I mean, nations do not survive forever. They decline. Sometimes they come back. Sometimes they don't. And in my book, I talk about the Roman Empire and the British Empire. The Roman Empire lasted a long time, over a thousand years. The Republic and the Empire together lasted. But in the the last part of the Roman Empire, it began to decline. Its military declined. It was unable to defend itself. And eventually, it collapsed. Uh, the British Empire was a little bit different. It declined also after a long run. Uh, of course, Britain is a very ancient nation, going back over a thousand years. They did have an empire beginning in the 17th century, which included the foundation of its American colonies, including our colonies here in North America and Canada, and then in, in Australia and around the world, and. Uh, They took control of India and lots of other places, but eventually they were unable to pay the price and bear the burden of controlling all those vast territories, and they lost their empire. But they did come back to the extent that they became and remained a a prosperous and, uh, and free nation.
0: Would you say that America parallels the Roman Empire in many ways?
2: Yes, it certainly has some things that resemble the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire started off as, as a, a very strong military and commercial power, and eventually they took on so many responsibilities and so much territory, stretching all the way from Britain in the Northwest all the way across what is now Europe and into Asia Minor and North Africa and Spain, that they simply did not have the wherewithal to defend all that territory and they were overrun by barbarians now we don't see anything like barbarians at the gate quite yet although we do have potential enemies uh, such as a growing china and we have to be military militarily strong in order to defend ourselves uh... we have seen some military weaknesses in recent decades i think those weaknesses have been to some extent repaired, but we need to be very vigilant to continue to have, uh, as Ronald Reagan used to say, peace through strength.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we we do see some other uh, signs, I think, that are um, indicative of maybe being very much in parallel with the Roman Empire. Uh, political corruption, uh, maybe starting off with a great idea, but things start to fall apart. And we just see that interwoven. Some of our foreign wars uh, are um, feeling that all roads lead to Rome. It seems like we feel all roads lead to America, the collapse of the middle class, uh, just to name a few.
2: Well, that's right, Michelle. I mean, there are some, some, some serious weaknesses. For example, uh, our educational system, I think, is quite weak. We are not teaching children in school what they ought to know. Uh, I think there's been in the in the political classes certainly a, a certain amount of turmoil and, and discontent and actually this year, 2020, the year we're living in there has been uh, a, a decline or, or even collapse of law and order in our cities and, and violent riots and arson and looting and so on which has not been adequately controlled by the powers that be, and that's a very bad sign. So there are certainly some weaknesses uh, that we have. I think our sense of civic duty uh, has, to some extent, eroded. Our sense of solidarity and patriotism may not be uh, what it used to be. So uh, there there are definitely weaknesses out there that we need to pay attention to.
0: Well, one of those weaknesses you just mentioned, a broken education system, which was broken before COVID. And now that COVID has happened, uh, many kids are falling through the cracks even more than they were before. When we don't learn what we ought to be learning, and in some cases, we're more interested in teaching what to think than how to think. We're more interested in teaching uh, our uh, maybe political, agendas rather than reading, writing, arithmetic, and in particular, history, we fall prey to a lot of things because we're just ignorant of what has happened before and how to make corrections.
2: Well, that's an extremely good point. Well said, Michelle. And I write about that in my book. I have a whole chapter on education. And for example, as you mentioned, the lack of teaching history is very damaging if you don't understand history, as someone said, you're doomed to repeat it. And uh, we are simply not teaching our children about the founding of this country, about the fi- founding values of this country. Uh, and, and, and just the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic are not what they used to be. The discipline of, uh, of children has, has gone downhill and I think we need to pay a lot of attention to that uh, so that there are, there are definitely, we need to make a lot of progress on the educational front, no question about it.
0: Joseph, on, on that line, we're in a time where we are teaching and living out what we feel rather than what we think. Has there been a time in history where right. we've seen that happen before?
2: Not as much as it is now. You're, you're absolutely right. We, we tend to, to people, you talk to people or college graduates or anybody else, and they say, oh, well, I feel so-and-so. And you say, you might feel so-and-so, but what do you think? Well, we are not teaching people how to think. We are not teaching them logic. We're not teaching mathematics. We're not teaching rigorous discipline in our schools that will enable them to come out of school and get right into a career and have, have some professional success. We're not teaching, for example, vocational education like they do in Germany and Switzerland and so many other countries. So that kids who come out of high school and for some whatever reason don't want to or are not able to go on to college will still be able to learn a skill, learn a trade, and do a job. And we're not doing that adequately.
0: Something else that you touch on in your book, The Decline of Nations, is a breakdown in arts and culture, of all things.
2: Well, yes. I I think if you look at the 20th century as a whole, you see a a more or less steady decline in in the early 20th century in America, began with a thriving culture. I mean, when... My, gradu- my grandfather graduated from the University of Virginia in 1899. He learned Greek and Latin, and uh, the kids learned uh, mathematics, and they learned... <laughs> we can't green. even do
0: cursive writing anymore.
2: <laughs> right, right. And uh, you, had, you had great artists and writers in, in Europe and in America. We had wonderful writers like Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Faulkner and so forth, and great art. By the end of the 20th century, American culture had clearly declined. Museums were were filled with ugly paintings, forms full of rooms full of empty boxes, bags of cat food, and world, walls covered with obscenity. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And 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 uh, I don't know how you can revive culture after something like that happens. Isn't that interesting? But popular culture, it particularly popular pop culture has become a dismal swamp of you know screeching noise vulgarity and repetitive adolescence of drivel.
0: Yes and how interesting that when we decline morally we see it played out in our arts. I mean a few quite a few years ago over a decade ago uh, uh, a Crucifix in a jar of urine. That's art. That's where we've gotten to. And how interesting that we think of ourselves as this advanced culture. Yet when we look at art, And even uh, some of the writings, we could read the writings of our founding fathers and come across words that we have to look up in the dictionary. They were so articulate. We can look at the paintings of some of the greats and then look at uh, some of the art that's just splattered paint that, you know, people can find beauty in, but we're losing some of the, I would say, the advancement. It's almost as though we are (laughs) de-evolving
2: Yes, we've lost the standards that we used to have. There used to be standards of beauty, standards of logic, standards of reason. Those standards have disappeared along with the moral standards and and the manners, which are terrible compared to what they used to be. Uh, And I have many examples of that in the book. I mean, you you mentioned, of course, some of the terrible examples of painting. I have the example of, of there were paintings being sold by a New York gallery which were painted by an ape who would dip his his paws into a bucket of paint and splatter it on the painting, and those were paintings that were selling for four or five hundred dollars a painting. I mean, things like that were regarded as art.
0: Well, it's at least interesting. I don't know about art, but okay. Here we are in this age where things are changing around us, Joseph. Let's look at some examples of history of nations declining as you talk about the decline of nations and and how we can learn some lessons from those nations?
2: Well, I, what, what I think you learn is that nation strong nations are based on strong institutions. You have a strong economy. You have a strong nation. You, have, you need a strong military to defend yourself. You need strong citizens with a sense of patriotism and civic duty and that's begun to decline you have strong religious values that helps to create a strong nation you have a strong educational system which we've talked about with values of hard work discipline love of country and so forth when those institutions start to decline then the nation itself declines and it's hard to put that genie back into the bottle
0: you mention uh, religious values. We have a Judeo-Christian tradition in our nation. We're now being hailed as a post-Christian nation. But have we seen signs in history where uh, strong faith equals uh, better opportunity, equality, uh, a better civic life for the citizens of a nation?
2: Well, I think, I think our own nation is an example of that. When this nation was founded, the founders were basically a religious people. I mean, George Washington's farewell address and uh, all the writings of the Founding Fathers were filled with, with admonitions, like the Declaration of Independence itself, that it's based on a, the values. Certain values were given to us, certain rights were given to us by our Creator, by God, not by the government or by somebody else. And, that, and so faith supports that kind of moral value. And if you don't have the faith underlying those moral values, then those values will decline.
0: Well, let's ask some hard questions of that then. Uh, Mentioning George Washington, who's come under fire, especially in 2020, in a time where we're uh, bringing down statues and trying to erase history. Uh, We are looking at imperfect people. We're looking at people who uh, own slaves and such. But it it seems it's not about the people, but about the faith. Because in that, those founding principles are are the very things that led us to say we must abolish slavery and some of the other ills that were popular at the time.
2: Well, exactly. That's right. I mean, certainly slavery was an evil and was a terrible thing. Actually, the founders realized that Washington and, and even Jefferson, who owned slaves, did not like slavery. And they, they had hoped that would, some, some way would be found for it to disappear uh some of them founded the African Colonization Society which would free slaves and send them all back to Africa they none of the founders really liked slavery they were stuck with it but eventually they f- figured out a way to get rid of it unfortunately it took a a terrible war to do that but that was a necessary thing and they did it uh but the values of the founders were not just based on slavery so i think the whole 1819 project and 1619 and project and so forth is a mistake historically that was not what our country was founded on our country was founded on sound principles of civic duty patriotism loyalty family church a strong community and those values persisted in spite of slavery and and so i think we have a lot to be thankful for as well as some things that we can regret but that we have overcome slavery we had the civil rights movement and uh, so it, all is not bleak on that front we have a ways okay, so, to go sure but yeah, we've, well, we've improved bleak. ourselves
0: I'm glad to hear that because that is a big uh, issue that is ripping our country apart uh, the idea that there is systemic racism. I think racism um, is not just an, an issue that's geared between blacks and whites. I think more of a, we don't like each other no matter what you are. If you think differently now, if you have a different political view, if you voted differently, if you are rooting for the wrong sports team, if you have a different culture, there's all sorts of ways that hate and division has eaten us away
2: yes we've become a very divisive society and that's a problem I mean we don't talk to each other anymore in in civil terms Uh, it's become very uh, very very hostile Uh, but I think you have to remember we have come a long way I mean I grew up in the deep south where there was real racism and serious racism and 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 of course we're not perfect we have a long way to go but we have really overcome a lot of that through the civil rights movement and through the civil rights act of nineteen sixty four and so forth uh... educational we've eliminated official segregation and we do have a ways to go but we've improved dramatically if we can talk to each other and become less divisive politically I think we would help ourselves greatly.
0: I'm learning a lot from this. It's turning the light on and getting me to think, Joseph, because a, a theme of the last couple of minutes has been, look, there are, we are not perfect people, but we, are, we can grow. We can change. We can become better. Better, and we saw that with the founding of our nation, founding on great principles, but still some evil and some ugliness among us that we were able to, based on our principles, uh, start to overcome. We continued to overcome it even more through the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, and uh. We could overcome even more, but for some reason, instead of uh, continuing that, the fight in a respectful and nonviolent, uh, let's, get, make, let's make this work, uh, come together, peaceful kind of way, uh, we're in a place where it's just burn it down. So that leads us to talking about, is there really hope for our nation?
2: Well, if there is. And I, and I think we have, to, we have to come back to religious and moral values, basic values. Human beings are imperfect. We are not perfect. Uh, Christi- Christianity teaches that men are sinful, mm-hmm. but that we can overcome those sins and, and those moral problems through human effort and through human will. And we just have to have the willpower to do that. And, and I think that we can develop that through our educational system and through a return to moral values and religious values, and it just takes effort.
0: So let's lay out from some of the lessons from history what we might need to see. Since we've talked a lot about what, what's kind of going on wrong around us, let's leave our, our friend here listening with some hope.
2: Well, I think we have problems, no question about it. We've talked about some, but what we need to do is to make, take some practical steps which can overcome these weaknesses. And these include, as we've discussed, creating a superior educational system based on the core American values of character, morality, knowledge of history, higher standards, tougher discipline, vocational training, that will provide every high school graduate who enters the workforce with practical job skills. We c- we need to keep the nation's military strength up to defend ourselves against the growing, uh, for instance, the growing uh, menace of China, which is which is very serious. And there have been some recent uh, public uh, reports on that subject, which which are worth reading. Uh, we need a better system of crime prevention. Including swift and certain punishment for criminals, but also uh, re education for offenders, young offenders, particularly in the prison system. We need to reduce the tax and regulatory burdens that stifle the energies and talents of the American people. We need some relief from the crushing national debt and fiscal irresponsibility that cripples our country. And finally, we need a return to the politi- political power. I believe, to the states and local communities and a uh, decentralization of the massive federal bureaucracy that we have today.
0: A lot of what we talked about, all of what we talked about, you can read in the pages of Joseph's book and so much more, but you've got a little insight into why you might need to pick up the decline of nations. Be in the know. We're talking about the potential end of our society. Are we in end times? Well, if we're not, we're flirting with it. And it may be time that we turn the light on the decline of nations gives us a bit of hope as well, uh, Joseph Johnson has been our guest, and it has been an absolute delight. Thank you.
2: Well, Michelle, I've enjoyed this very much. I really enjoyed our conversation. I appreciate your good questions, and uh, hope we'll have an opportunity to, uh, to to meet each other again
0: today on my Michelle Live. Are we in in times?
1: The Book of Revelation known for centuries as a prophecy of Jesus' return to earth, a time of tribulation and ultimately the end of the world. Could earthquakes, tsunamis, and political tension today be evidence of the predictions listed in the final book of the Bible?
3: The Bible is clear that nobody knows the time of the Lord's coming.
1: Edmunds Faith Bible Church pastor, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, has written 25 books on biblical prophecy. While he says we don't know the day of Christ's return, Hitchcock believes right now, the stage is being set for the end time.
3: Israel back in the land, the globalism that we see, the world focus on the Middle East.
1: Pastor Hitchcock believes the converging of these events puts us in what's called the church age and mirrors the beginning chapters of Revelation.
3: In chapters two and three of the book of Revelation, there's seven letters to seven churches that are written there. Churches that existed back in that day, but that apply to to churches today and how we live and how we function. I would say that's where we are in the book of Revelation today.
1: But Dr. Hitchcock says we are not in the end times yet, since the tribulations don't appear until later chapters, the time when he says Christ's coming is imminent.
3: I kind of like to use that as like an illustration of people living in California. They know the big one's coming. Uh, They know that one of these days that big earthquake's going to come, but they don't know when it's going to come. It's certain that it'll happen, but it's uncertain when it will happen.
0: So, in times on the precipice, are we? Whether we're there or not, times they are a changing. We see it, and we may be hard pressed to find anyone who would deny that we're at least in perilous times. But as we spoke with historian Joseph Johnston just a few moments ago, there have been perilous times before us. So should we be focused on it being the end and the sky is falling? Or should we be focusing on something deeper? Let's take that question off the wall.
1: It's off the wall commentary. Let's take it off the wall.
0: Well, our off the wall commentator today, Mark Griswold, joins us. Welcome to the discussion, Mark. Great to be,
4: Great with, to you be with you with as always, always, Michelle. Michelle. And, can and I'm still getting an echo, getting Michelle. Michelle. Can we, can we fix that?
0: hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There you go. Is that better?
4: Testing, 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 testing. Hey, 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 hey. Still nope, getting, an okay. getting an echo.
0: All right. Let's see here. Testing. Test again.
2: Test, 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 no, test, test, test.
4: Hey, hey. no nope, nope. Keep talking. Still getting an, echo. an echo. Keep talking bla, until bla, it's bla, gone. Bla, bla, bla. Pope Innocent third picked the eschatologically important number of 666. Let me know if you account. don't hear it. Now it, it. Now it seems to be working. I'm not getting any <coughs> echo. Okay, good.
0: All right. There you go. <clears throat> all right. Go ahead. Just welcome hey, you. Hey,
4: Michelle. Great to be with you as always. And I'll tell you one way the uh, world could end is if you fell off a wall. Uh, <laughs> you know, your world would end. But seriously, the world is going to end for all of us personally At some point, probably within, depending on your age, the next, you know, 20 to 80 years or so. Uh, And you just got to know what's on the other side is is really the most important thing.
0: And that's where it gets down to the God story. Yeah, so uh, you're ready to hit the mark today with Mark Griswold. Uh, yeah, I think it's important to talk about the times that we're in. I think it's important to look at what the Bible says about the times that we're in. It's important to be prepared, as we'll be talking about on today's program. But maybe we can look through history in another light and realize that you know people have been worried about end times for a millennia, truly. And you write about this in your blog. We'll put a link to it on our website, uh, thepoliticalbistro.com.
4: Yeah, you know, I did some research, and people really, uh, as far back as basically shortly after uh, the life of Christ uh, in, in the first century A.D., when the with there was the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., a lot of Jewish sex then thought that was the beginning of the end times. And then you go through history. And today we kind of think of people that predict the end times, you know, the earth blowing up or earthquakes or whatever. Maybe a a lot of us think they're a little bit kooky. Uh, Well, there's been some kooky ones. Come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just uh, not too long ago, maybe 30 years ago or something, there was a guy in Texas, Han Ming Chen, who was part of the Chen Tao movement, who said that God was, or uh, I guess God, somebody was going to come on Channel 18 in Garland, Texas, and give his followers instructions on how they could get whisked up by aliens in cloud-shaped spaceships. But yeah, you go back... Apparently that was uh, preempted,
0: right? So...
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But you go back like a thousand years, you got Pope Sylvester, even Martin Luther was predicting that the world would end before the year 1600. And, you know, there's no one real really bigger in history than Martin Luther. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been going along with us for a long time. Of course, the Black Death killed half of Europe, and I could see why they might think the world was coming to an end now. And it is scary times that we live in right now. So I can see how people would think that the world was coming to end. But this is what we got to think of. If the world is going to end for whether it's just us getting hit by a car tomorrow or dying of COVID for that matter, or a comet hitting the globe and killing all seven million, seven billion 7 billion of us, what are you going to do with those last moments or, you know, last year or whatever it is that, you know, you might have, are you going to be fretting about it and thinking, oh, how do I get to be whisked up by the cloud shaped spaceship? Uh, you going to go out and live your life and that's important regardless of whether you think the world's going to end so many people today are fretting about covid even though most of us have a better chance of dying getting in a car wreck on the way to wherever we're going to that uh party with more than 10 people that we're avoiding all these things and the facts bear it out i mean i just saw an article japan uh suicides now outnumber covid deaths in japan
0: My goodness. That brings it home, doesn't it? We think of the Bible talking about uh, in those times men's hearts will fail them, you know, the anxiety, the fear that we're living in. We're more afraid of the times that we're in than the actual experiences of the times that we're in.
4: Right. And I'm someone who has lived life to the fullest, or at least tried most of the time, you know, I've gone bungee jumping off of the 700 foot dam in the Swiss Alps. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've traveled to places that a lot of people would think that's kind of a scary place. And I had wonderful times doing it. And me, I would rather, uh, what do they say, uh, end up scooting sideways into my grave at the end than rocking in a chair, watching reruns of Matlock. <laughs> uh, you know, not that Matt Locke's the bad guy, but uh, and, and there's another fact right there. People that retire and then, quote unquote, enjoy their retirement sitting in an easy chair or rocking on the front porch die rather quickly. And it, it's the people that say, you know what, retirement is just the beginning of my life. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to mm-hmm. travel. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to do all sorts of things. Retirement is just the new chapter in your life to live life to the fullest. You know, there's a book Life Begins at 40. Well, heck. How about life begins at 65? You know, do what do what you love if you had spent the past 40 years maybe doing something that hope you hopefully you loved but maybe not as much as you're going to love when you're retired.
0: Yeah, we never stop doing the good work. This is the lesson today as we talk about potentially being in end times, that's all interesting. And we'll talk about how to prepare for some inevitabilities and what times we're in. But it's not to be afraid of the times. It's to be looking forward to what's ahead and to be living life today, the time that I have today. Redeem the day. Redeem the time that we're in. Live each day as if it is your last. So while we're saying, don't worry if it's the end, there's the other side of that coin mark that says live each day as if it is.
4: Right. And the thing is, for those of us who believe in an afterlife, for most faiths tend to believe in some sort of afterlife. uh, You know that this, this is just the beginning, literally, you know, that what uh, lies beyond the grave for us, uh, for most people who believe in an afterlife is far better. And if it's not, You should probably be asking yourself why. You know, there's a great movie that came out a number of years ago called Mind Walk. Uh, It's just three people walking around Mont Saint-Michel discussing philosophy. So it might be kind of boring for some of you. But there's a great line in it where he says he's talking about the monks in the Middle Ages, that they looked at the end of the world as the ultimate day off. And today we look at it as the (laughs) ultimate off day.
0: Some food for thought. We've been talking with Mark Griswold as our off the ball commentator. Now, Mark is a writer, obviously a commentator. He's a comedian, by the way, and a real estate agent where he is doing no joking. So, a uh, busy man and always making time for us here on the My Michelle Live podcast. Great to see you. Great to talk with you. Thanks for being with us today.
4: Thank you. You have a great day, Michelle.
0: Well, thanks for hanging out with us on this News and Views Thursday, asking the question as the world seems to fall apart around us, are we in end times? Well, whatever times we're in, should we not be ready for what may lie ahead and prepared for what's happening around us? We might even say, we kind of have a feeling we were at war, like the forces of light and darkness are, are battling right before our very eyes. And some of us are asking the question, this, is, this almost seems as though it is of biblical perfor- proportions when we look at the pandemic and the things happening around us. So what do we do? I came across a book, The Military Guide to Armageddon, think about that. Battle-tested strategies to prepare your life and soul for end times. I am joined by one of the authors, Troy Anderson. He's a Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist and the best-selling co-author of The Babylon Code, you may remember, uh, Trump Apocalypse. Uh, He writes for Reuters, Newsmax, and many others. And to crown his achievements, he's here with us today. So, you know, what could be better, Troy? I'm glad to have you. Thank you.
5: Hi, Michelle. It's a great honor to be on your show. Thank you very
0: much. It's probably not the honor that I made it out to be. You can laugh at that. I was just kidding. You know, you're probably going, oh, my goodness, really? She thinks that? No. Um, <laughs> so glad to have you today. We're in, in, we really are in these crazy times. And whether we're in the end times or not, we'll. we can talk about that. But Man, shouldn't we be prepared for anything? Because we've just been going all around the world in our lives, just blissfully unaware and letting the world seemingly go to hell in a handbasket. It, it is kind of time to maybe prep up.
5: Yeah, that, that, that's why uh, Colonel Giamona and I, uh, he's a U.S. Army, retired U.S. Army chaplain, and I uh, wrote this book. Um, you know, the Bible is full of uh, you know talk about putting on the full armor of God, it describes the Lord as the Lord of armies, and says that the angels in heaven are organized as uh, as like a military kind of structure. And you, you may recall that song we sung in Sunday Sunday School: uh, you know, "Onward, Christian Soldiers." So the so the idea behind this book is to inspire and encourage uh, believers to get to get ready for the end times or whatever may be coming down the pike next. We're we're watching just unprecedented events occur in the world. Uh, you know, for the last decade, I've been I've interviewed over two hundred. Uh, you know, major faith leaders and experts in different fields and overwhelming consensus is that we we, we may very well be in the run up to these to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's time to get uh, what the what the army calls battle ready.
0: All right. I want to talk about the battle readiness. But first, as an investigative journalist looking into the the thoughts from people who are. And this is not just people who are making weird predictions about, oh, the world's going to end uh, December 22nd at 12 p.m. These are people who are looking into uh, biblical prophecy and and. Uh, some of what the Bible has talked about, marrying it with what is happening today and coming to the conclusion, look, we may be in the right season. And there's a difference.
5: Yeah, you, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Billy Graham uh, several years ago, and, and he told me that signs of the end of the age are converging for the first time since Jesus made those predictions. And, uh, and building off that interview, I think that was back in 2013, I interviewed uh, just, you know, about, just a sort of a who's who of major faith leaders, uh, Tim LaHaye, Hal Lindsey, Pastor Greg Laurie, Franklin Graham, and Graham Lotz, you know, just on, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, on, just on, on down the list, and all, the overwhelming consensus among dozens and dozens of these major faith leaders, uh, yes, they they believe we're, we're witnessing the, the signs that Jesus and the prophets told us would would precede the, you know, what's known as the end times. In fact, there was a, a recent LifeWay poll came out and said nine in ten pastors now see signs of Jesus' return in, in in the news. But even more surprising is I interviewed uh, experts at existential risk institutes at Oxford, MIT, Princeton. Uh, these are the guys that study the, the greatest threats faced in the world, you know, uh, weapons of mass destruction, what they call extreme climate change, uh, AI run amok. And, and one of the great dangers is a global totalitarian government. They actually say that that's a, a real threat to the world. And so they, they, they believe we're approaching you know, a very dangerous time in history, too. So even the secular experts see, uh, you know, warning signs.
0: Interesting that we're seeing it from so many different angles and not just from the faith community. On yesterday's program, on our Health Watch program, Troy, we had talked about the end of antibiotics, that the World Health Organization is recognizing antimicrobial resistance as the biggest health threat that we may face. By 2050, 10 million people are predicted to die if we continue on this trajectory. Because uh, we have antibiotic-resistant bacteria out there, antibiotics may have come to an end. It's just another way of saying, look, in every angle you can look at things are going a bit awry it's as if the earth has an expiration date is is that basically what we're talking about
5: yeah i mean even in matthew 24 where jesus tells the disciples about all the different things to look for that would indicate you know we're approaching this time of his his return uh he talks about plagues and uh so you know, all the time will tell if this if this coronavirus you know pandemic is is part of these signs. But you know this very well could be one of one of the, the what the Bible describes as birth pains. You know heading into this this period of time that that the, you know about a third of the Bible talks about the what's considered the end times, the the tribulation, the return of Jesus Christ, and 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 the great hope of our faith that one day God will set everything right. So.
0: Hmm. Okay. So as you have been delving into this and asking the questions, interviewing these interesting folks, what is one of the things that you came across, tidbits of information that may have floored you the most and uh, set you back going, okay, wow, these may be the end times?
5: Well, the, the, yeah, the, the biggest thing happening right now, and in my, my... Two previous books, we really explored this—the Babylonian Co- trump Apocalypse. Right. Are, are we, you know, it, what is what is globalism, and what is this threat of a of a world socialist system, and is that really happening? And so now, now the the elite have come out and announced that they want to move us into what's now being called the global reset. And um, uh, Cardinal Pagano uh, sent an open letter to President Trump before the election, uh, warning of, of a health dictatorship, and and uh, this this. Just, you know, they're, they're using this pandemic to you know, uh, take away our freedoms and our liberties and, and move us towards this global reset. And so that's, it's all being announced openly on the World Economic Forum website and articles. Time magazine had a cover story, the, the global reset. And so it appears that they're, they're trying to move us into the system that could be a, a precursor to what the Bible describes in, in the book Revelation.
0: Well, one of the things to me is uh, the, the fact that we're looking at getting a global injection of a vaccine. Vaccines are innocuous for the most part. You know, we can talk about adjuvants and all of that. But the fact that we might be a, might not be able to fly in airplanes or buy, sell, and trade without not only a vaccine, but now this new patent that may give your information in your vaccine with a chip in your in your body so that people have all this you know it's it's starting to look more like these things lend themselves to uh many things that we read about in the bible and and the fact that it was patent number six 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 does that creep you out a little bit
5: yeah yeah you know i I did i I actually wrote a story about that for godspeed magazine and sort of delved into all that yeah the patent was six 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 and uh, and there's there's great concerns about you know is this going to be some kind of di- digital ID or uh, you know, micro dot technology, nanotechnology that will be in the vaccine that they could sort of like scan you or track you uh, or something along those lines. We'll just have to wait and see how it all all pans out. but you know the you know in the book revelation uh, chapter thirteen, it talks about the mark of the beast. you can't buy or sell unless you have this this mark, and uh, essentially you can't participate in the economic system and so. Uh, is is this it? Or is it a precursor to it? Are they getting this, you know, used to this kind of thing? Uh, uh, these these are very interesting questions.
0: In your book, uh, The Babylon Code, you talk about America at the end. And it is interesting if you are new to biblical prophecy or if you're just uh, if you're a noob or if you're like me where you're not an expert, uh, you don't have to read far before you realize um, it doesn't look like America is a big player in end times.
5: Yeah, that's one of the things that many Bible scholars have puzzled over uh, over the last couple of centuries is is what, what role does America play in these end-time events as everything uh, moves forward? Because, you know, America is not specifically stated in the Bible. Some some Bible scholars believe that the, the reference to Mystery Babylon in, in Revelation um, 18 and 19 could be a reference to America or maybe part of this, this, this sort of Antichrist system that arises in the end times. Maybe America is part of that. You know, it does talk about uh, this, If you read those two chapters, it sort of sounds like America, and it says that at some point, uh, uh, you know, it sounds like what, a, what's, uh, like a nuclear war destroys whatever this is, this country, and it says that the merchants who grew, grew rich off of trading with her, uh, you know, sit from afar and watch her burn kind of thing. So, uh, you know, nobody knows for sure how this is, if America's, that's its fate ultimately, or if, it, if it's referencing, you know, something in the Middle East. Uh, uh, right now, I think in Saudi Arabia they're building a brand new city called Neom. and so some some scholars believe that that could be the the capital of Mystery Babylon, like this futuristic city that's arising in the desert now. So there's there's different theories about it, but we we explore all these things in the in the books.
0: Right the thought of America, whatever happens to us, and and there's things that we can know about biblical prophecy, and there's things that we may not know until it's upon us. Uh, I I kind of always hoped that the absence of America, and some even, as you said, some say that, well, maybe it's not so absent. But, you know, it's always been my hope that if there, uh, whether, whether, as you're listening, you believe in a rapture, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no-trib, whatever, Um, I I say God is still in control. And it would be really nice if America's absence was due to just such a big revival that takes place here, that Jesus comes back, raptures his church, and America's gone. That was kind of my hope.
5: Well, well, you you know what? In In our book, Trumpocalypse, we called for a National Day of Repentance. And we actually featured Reverend Kevin Jessup in that book. He's the co founder of the of the Return, the National and Global Day of Repentance that took place uh yeah. September uh twenty-sixth on the National Mall. It was like a hundred thousand people showed up, millions watched it online. We we called for that. We we wrote the White House executive summary for it and it actually happened. It was a gigantic miracle and Kevin told us like, you know, about two hundred and fifty thousand people gave their lives to the Lord. So I, I think we're starting to see signs of this, like 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 uh, Pastor Greg Laurie, he said, like, you know, tons of people are coming to the Lord during this pandemic. And there's there's lots of ministers all around the world all saying the same thing. So we, we may very well be witnessing the beginning of the the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the end times. So this is, this is another reason why we wrote the book. We want to inspire and encourage people to, you know, completely dedicate your life to the Lord. Uh, that, you know, Jesus' last instruction was to take the gospel to all the world. That's our job you know sort of like soldiers of christ and and uh, so this book you know teaches you you know about spiritual gifts about uh, you know putting on the full armor of god spiritual warfare and it's actually a great book of hope and and you know this is the most exciting time in history and god's put us here for for this incredible time when you know hundreds of millions of people are probably going to turn to the lord in the in the years ahead
0: for such a time as this. That is what is exciting about the book. We are talking with Troy Anderson, a co-author of The Military Guide to Armageddon, Battle-Tested Strategies to Prepare Your Life and Soul for End Times. I think God is, uh, if we know, let me just back up and say, yeah, we're in crazy times. And this may be uh, signs of the in times, but God is in control. It's all leading to something grand, and even in the midst of the hardship, the ugliness, I see signs of God's love and gentleness. What other time in history has catastrophe happened where uh, it started with us just being quarantined in our own homes, in in our own couches, binge watching Netflix? You know, it, it seems like we're being gently led into one of the most historic and dangerous times in history.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you look back in American history, you look at the Revolutionary War, you look at the, the, the Civil War, you look at the Great Depression and World War II, it's at these times of great crisis when it seems like you know, hope is lost, and uh, that's, that's when Americans pull themselves up by their bootstraps, they, you know, they become very brave and courageous and they do what has to be done. And I believe we're, we're at that key point again. We need to be brave and courageous. We, we shouldn't just you know, kowtow to this sort of this, this socialistic um, you know, totalitarianism they're trying to impose on us now. We need to stand up, you know, fight fight for our freedoms and liberties because um, you know, our, our, our forefathers, our grandfathers, I have like my, my dad fought in the Korean War. Uh, my uncle fought the Nazis in World War II. I had a great-grandfather fought in the Civil War. You know, wow. many people have fought and died for this country, for the freedoms we have, and it's not—it's not easy to have freedom. So we need to stand, stand, uh, stand tall, and and stand up for what uh, what is what is right and what, what we believe in.
0: We can look to some of your books, Troy, as we talk with Troy Anderson, uh, to get a better understanding of the times that we're in. But this book, uh, the military guide to Armageddon, is not only talks about the times we're in, but takes it a step further as we've been talking to preparing us. This is the ultimate in emotional and spiritual prep. You know, there's a lot of folks who uh, went out and bought a lot of toilet paper when the pandemic hit. And then there were some of us who have always had that little extra because, you know, we've recanned and we said, you know, in case there's an earthquake, in case the world comes to an end, you know, I'm just going to have enough to take care of, of things and my family. So So I don't have to be running and getting toilet paper. Well, this is like uh, toilet papering up for your spirit, I would say.
5: Yeah, that's what if if when when you read through the Bible, you see that God is a God of miracles. The Bible is a whole book of gigantic miracles and these, these amazing biblical heroes and how God just used these ordinary people to do incredible things and and the bible tells us that in the end times god's going to pour out his spirit and with signs and wonders and great miracles and so i mean at some point elijah's going to return you know and and the two witnesses of revelation so there's going to be all kinds of incredible things happening so this book teaches you how to walk in the supernatural power protection and provision of the holy spirit which is the most important thing as as we move into this time period but we also have a chapter called Prepping for the End Times, in which the colonel, you know, gives the best advice on how to, you know, physical preparations and all those kind of things that you, you should have just in case there's, you know, an earthquake or a hurricane or disaster or whatever, you know, is coming, coming next.
0: I love that. I so appreciate that. And something, Troy, to just our time together today that floors me is that we're talking about the potential end of the world, everything kind of falling apart. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, whatever may be happening with uh, the forces of uh, rulers there, trying to uh, use technocracy and and, uh, overlords. and All of these things we're talking about, it's like, I don't know, talking about some sci-fi movie, right? But yet... I'm listening to you talk, and I'm filled with hope. I want to talk about that hope, because that hope is abundant in this book.
5: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the second coming of Jesus, the, the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, this is the great hope of our faith. And it, it's all part of God's plan. From From Genesis to Revelation is all one amazing, continuous story written by the the ultimate screenwriter, you know, the greatest writer who's ever lived. You know, the Bible describes the, uh, the, Jesus as the Word of God. And, um, and so it's, it's actually a great message of hope. It's, it's very encouraging. Uh, you know, there's, there's different opinions on, on the rapture, but many people believe that, you know, believers get raptured. Uh, before all these you know the tribulation begins and so there's just a there's, there's a lot of hope there's a uh, a, a lot of uh, optimism in this book and and uh, and one thing we we're, we're doing is we just created battle ready ministries with uh, with the colonel a major general another colonel assistant to the president a movie guide and several pastors and so we're going to be doing uh, battle ready conferences at churches nationwide we're in talks with a half dozen large and uh, mid-sized churches now and and the major general he has the national center for healthy veterans this beautiful 350 acre facility in virginia virginia just opened we'll, we'll probably have a conference there and, and kevin Jessup said he'd like to do do these conferences at a at a church and then simulcast at the churches nationwide so uh ch- check out for that that's all sort of early stages but that's that's uh, going to be part of this too
0: what's the dream in that what's the vision
5: the the idea is to help awaken and prepare the church and uh, raise up end times warriors of God. You know, te- teach people uh, Christian discipleship. Uh, that, that the colonel's put together this entire curriculum of uh, like a three day training. Uh, you know, involving spiritual warfare, development of your spiritual gifts. Um, you know, how to you know walk in the supernatural uh, power, of protection of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and then Jerry Moses, who's uh, became like a mentor to me. He's assistant to the president movie guide. He was assistant to president. Uh, Of CBN Pat Robertson for many years and uh, he's going to teach on the Holy Spirit and uh, you know the Bible's you know has a a great emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the church doesn't really teach much on the Holy Spirit anymore so uh, once these conferences start going I think people will you know gain a great deal from uh, from these conferences
0: that's really important too as you're listening uh, talking about god being this this thing that we look up to and and pray to once in a while versus the holy spirit the spirit of god that indwells you as a believer through jesus christ and having the holy spirit indwell you is what makes what makes it uh takes it from uh, just another religion or another a philosophical idea to real life. This it, you you have a Holy Spirit that enlightens you and and is as one friend who wrote a book that will be coming out in February, breaking yesterday a sci-fi book that will knock your socks off. He called it the Whisper of Thunder. That that just describes when the Holy Spirit impresses on you or or speaks to your heart and. And being in a place where we're not just walking every day in in our everyday flesh, but having that Holy Spirit takes life to a whole new level. It brings us hope. That is really what we need as we go into these end times, Troy.
5: Yeah, if you think back over your life, you know, I've been a believer since I was 11, but if I just listened to the Holy Spirit, you know, I could have avoided so many problems over the years. <laughs> so that it's it's like that, that the Bible says that still Still, small voice and and we all hear it you know and uh, and if you if you if you listen to that and you and you uh, you know follow what the holy spirit is telling you uh it's just a, an amazing life that god has for us god has an incredible destiny for all of us He you know he's planned it from the foundations of the world and and he's and he and the holy spirit helped guide us and, and direct us in that way and so uh, so we, we want to encourage and inspire people with this book with, with battle ready ministries and and uh everything that's uh, that's happening in our world today.
0: Yeah, such a, a a great topic and I'm glad that it was put on your heart. I'm going to say it was Holy Spirit-led to prepare the church because we have been living in a time of everything's just fine, right? Haven't we? I mean, the the last mm-hmm. few decades, I've, of course, there have been some things that happened here and there. We had 9-11. But for the most part, we've just been going about our business, going to work, coming home, loving our families, and living a fairly normal life. Uh, we've uh, we've been at a zenith for, for medical treatment. We've had a relative time of peace for the most part. Uh, so uh, preparing us for what may lie ahead, I'm so glad it was on your hearts and that this has come together and it is bigger than just the book, but you should be picking up the book, The Military Guide to Armageddon, Battle-Tested Strategies to Prepare Your Life and Soul for End. In- Times. If you're like many other people and saying, oh, this is looking a little bit biblical, biblical proportions here, you need to pick up the book. We've been talking with Troy Anderson, a Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist and author of the book. Thanks so much, Troy, for being with us.
5: Thank you so much, uh, Michelle. It's a great honor. God bless you.
0: As we wind down this edition of News and Views, We like to look at the news from the faith side as a Judeo-Christian tradition is part of our background. It helps us to understand where we're at today if we understand what's going on in the world of faith.
5: Christian Headline
0: News. LifeWay Research Survey has reported that one in five Americans say that COVID-19 is going to make them more spiritually reflective this Christmas season many, many fewer say that it'll make them less likely to look at the holidays and the real meaning behind it. So people are really looking for those spiritual answers. And Billy Graham says that their efforts at the Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, rather, at the Billy Graham Evangelical Association, well, they claim that 1.7 million people have accepted Christ through all of their efforts, and one of those is through a prayer hotline. You may have seen some of the television commercials. This is one woman who works at the hotline. One of the phone calls that I got was from a gentleman who's in a nursing facility. He's worried about the coronavirus. He's wanting to go home and be with his family. When I asked him where he would go if he died today, would he go to heaven? He said, I don't know, and he said he wanted to know. I wanted to leave you with that number. If you need prayer, fearful, distressed, discouraged, concerned, or even inspired by something you heard today, there's a 24-hour prayer line put on by the Billy Graham Evangelical Association. 888 388 Thanks for being with us today.
1: More news and views at MyMichelleLive.com.